You're here, which means that you've found spirit crumbs, leading you to your inner light worker. I will be sharing how these tiny little hints from the universe have led me to where I am today. I hope that by hearing my story and the stories of others, you'll pick up your own spirit crumbs along the way that will lead you to somewhere magical. Thanks for coming along for the journey. Let's see where it takes us. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Spirit Crumbs. I am your host, Andrea McCallum. I am an intuitive oracle card reader and energy healer. So if you listen to the Heart Chakra episode, you'll know that this episode is going to be a bit more of a darker episode. And I'm sure that's not surprising considering I have episodes like Processing Grief and Death and Rebirth and talking about Scorpio a lot, but I do just know that a lot of people have not been listening to the chakra episodes just because they are already familiar with the chakras. That's totally fine. I'm not saying that anybody needs to if they're not already. But what I do want to say is that I talked about in the last episode that in this one, I'm going to be talking a lot about grief. And I do just want to say that this is a very vulnerable episode. It's like me interviewing myself, basically, um, without asking questions, I guess. But I just want to mention that if you are someone who is very sensitive or you feel you don't have the capacity for listening to potentially traumatic graphic descriptions of things, um, you can already switch to another episode. And then for anybody who wants to know what I will be talking about before you make that decision, it's just a disclaimer and a trigger warning that I will be talking about abortion and I will be talking about um, just grief and death in general. I'm also going to mention financial hardship and I will be talking about briefly about um, relationships. So if any of that is going to be triggering or if you don't have the capacity right now or where you're listening from, uh, I do encourage you to just, I will be fine if you just don't listen to this episode or if you save it for a time when you maybe have capacity or you feel you need help with something that you're dealing with that's traumatic just to see a different perspective maybe or to see how I started recognizing um, how to go through the grief of it Um, and then if it's if you're someone who is just hearing the word abortion and you're feeling um, maybe some judgments rise to the surface or if you are feeling like with even like the word bankruptcy, if any of that is triggering you in a way where it's more from like a place of judgment or just you're being generally triggered, not in a traumatic way, I do encourage you to consider whether that's something that you should move through. If not, feel free. This is your exit now. I'm just going to say that I do have my weekly chakra clearing, um, distance Reiki and crystal healing sessions. And something that's new to that also related to grief is that now every week, 22% of those sessions will be donated to the Indian residential school uh, survivor society. And that's ongoing at least until the end of the year. 
Um, it's a very small contribution, but it is something I can do. And so I will. I just wanted to say that before maybe everyone runs away, which again is 100% fine. You know yourself, you know your own emotional capacity. I just wanted to put that out there. For those of you who are ready to go a little bit deeper into this episode, like I said, I will be talking about some pretty dark themes and I just want to talk about start talking about grief in general. I'm going to talk about abortion last because I feel like if you're still on the fence and maybe even just talking about grief ends up bringing up a lot for you, you can at least, I will tell you when I'm going to talk about it so you can still listen and then decide from there. So something that I wanted to just talk about that was kind of like the spark for me wanting to share this conversation with you now is that I have had a lot of grief come up for myself with things that have happened this year and 2021. Of course, nothing just comes out of the blue. There were things leading up to it, but I think something that was a major aha moment for me was I decided I was going to write a book about these things because I feel like they are things that nobody talks about or people don't talk about enough or maybe people just aren't expressing what I feel about them so I was like maybe there's other people that feel the way I do and then I went to I finally was like okay I'm going to spend the time I'm going to start writing this but then I realized when I wanted to write about the emotional parts of it I didn't really mentally or emotionally have access to those emotions because I realized so much was happening at once for me And I have such high anxiety, which I only didn't, I didn't realize how bad my anxiety was until COVID hit and over the last year and seeing these things come up. And then now I'm going through like a cognitive behavioral therapy program and the ways that I cope are extreme. Like I am able to take on a lot of stress. I also just naturally do deal with things well. So I'm not saying that everyone would experience this the same way. I do just naturally move through things a bit easier. And I could talk for a million years about my human design chart and my birth chart, but I just naturally don't get shaken quite as much. So that's where I realized, okay, if this is my strength and, you know, I want to write this book, I really do need to make sure that I've moved through these emotions because I can't lead anybody else through something I haven't fully authentically experienced. And even though these things were in my life, I physically and emotionally experienced them in the moments. I had so much anxiety and so much that I was determined to do. My biggest anxiety coping strategy is just being busy. And so I would just keep putting myself back into schoolwork and, you know, I had two jobs and like doing a lot of things. And then I didn't, after a while, you kind of don't have a thought even about the things that you were dealing with because you're too busy. Right. And so I realized, okay, I have to go back into these things. Like I'm not saying anybody also should intentionally go back into things. They've already feel like they've moved past. I'm definitely not recommending that but 
in order for me to walk other people through it. And I know I can do this. I know I have the capacity for it. And I know that for myself, if I had dealt with only one of those things, I would have had a longer process for moving through them. But I didn't have time. I was simultaneously dealing with these things. So that's the reason I didn't fully experience them emotionally at the time. I did as much as I needed to in the moment for release, but I then moved on. So I just wanted to say like that, that if anybody else does that as well, or has had that experience, I know for myself, that's a protection mechanism, something that I do. I also realized that that's why I'm in my masculine so much because it doesn't have to be flowy and emotional and vulnerable, right? It's very much like I'm going to get stuff done. And that's because I'm also a double Capricorn. So (laughs) I'm naturally like, all right, let's move on. But I realized that's not helpful if I want to use these experiences. And I know from my soul and from readings I've had and just these deep knowings that I am not going through all of this right now as an accident. And I don't know if you, if I remember if I mentioned it or not before, but I'm 33 right now. And I said at the beginning of this year to myself that because it has the the term like the Jesus year, because Jesus was 33 um, when he died I realized there's got to be a significance and I've been seeing 33 since the beginning of 2020 like 33 333 I know it's ascended masters as well and I've already started working with a couple of them now but now I got to this point where I was like this feels more literal to me like not I'm like I'm literally going to die I mean who knows I could die any day but (laughs) I felt like this rebirth that I was feeling so like, I'm almost like feeling this feeling that I get. That's like a sacral, like need to physically get up out of my chair. And that is like when I know I'm hitting on something that is part of my purpose and is very, very important to my soul or my soul is like excited. It's like wanting to get up and dance because it's like, you get it. And something I realized was with this 33 year and Jesus dying that year, that this is me like, a death to my old self, like a lot of patterns that I'm releasing in really painful ways, really. But it's in a way that like, if I can handle all of this, then if somebody's dealing with one thing that's really overwhelming, I know I can have the capacity to hold space for that. And I honestly wasn't going to talk about this until I finished my book and had a structure for how I was going to help people. And you know, had a workshop ready, but I think I will do those things. And I think I have, like, what I'm realizing is for me, the heart chakra and the throat chakra are intimately connected. And I feel I'm blocked there because I'm not being authentic and I want to show up as my authentic self. So yes, I talk about shadow work a lot and like dark themes, but I feel like I keep alluding to like, I've been going through some stuff and very general things. And I don't feel like that's helpful because if people are dealing with really difficult things and then they feel like if I am not talking about these things, maybe they shouldn't either. And I never want people to think that. And I realized like, if I'm going to experience this, like Jesus year, whatever this purpose is for me. And again, I'm, um, I think I've mentioned this before, like I'm not religious. I was raised Roman Catholic. Um, We weren't 
terribly religious, but we went through Catholic school until the end of high school. And um, we attended mass more so on holidays, but, you know, in school we had them. And I never really resonated with it. I'm going to talk more in my book and future episodes about how this like relates to different chakras and whatnot. But um, I just want to say that like Jesus as an ascended master, I do connect more to that energy because that with Mary Magdalene, because I just read Mary Magdalene Revealed and I've been drawn to that energy. Amber, who you'll hear in the Crown Chakra episode, she had done an Akashic record for reading for me. And I was like so certain that like Christ consciousness, I don't know where I even got this originally. Honestly, I don't know. I just had this deep knowing that there's something about it. And it was almost like frustrating where I was like, what am I supposed to do with this? And she actually said, yeah, like you actually in this Akashic record reading, she was like, you were religious and past lives as like a nun or a priest. And this lifetime, you're meant to really dive in spiritually and look at these concepts from a more spiritual way as opposed to religious. Anywho, that was a bit of a sidetrack, but this week with this full moon in Capricorn, it's like, this is my purpose. And like Capricorn rules the 10th house, which is your career. And mine is in Scorpio, which is like death and transformation. And I also the other day randomly was like, thinking about how I'm going to move people through this stuff. I need to be able to hold space for people because this is going to be like a lot of things coming up. And I actually signed up for a death doula, like end of life doula course. As I was reading it, I was like, yes, I'm so like my heart chakra just like literally feels like it just like long, like came out of my chest, which is why I'm putting this with the heart chakra episode. Cause for some reason it really opens me up. Like, thinking about helping people through difficult things. And it's not like I enjoy seeing people in pain, but I can, I know that I can hold space for those people. It's almost making me emotional thinking about it. Like I just love it so much in like a weird way. But anyways, I was feeling this yesterday and I was wrestling with the idea of sharing this because it's obviously very difficult for me and it's very vulnerable. So I'm not going into great detail because I'm going to be writing my book and I'll probably do more episodes when I fully process it. Cause again, I'm just processing it now, but I realized that with grief, we're only really taught about what to do in terms of grief when a human being or a pet dies, that's it. And because I, have dealt with a lot of grief at a young age and because I was fortunate enough to be given the opportunity to move through that grief in whatever way felt good for me when I was young, I wasn't traumatized by it. So when I started thinking about it a while ago with grief, where there are some people that talk about the grief of like relationships, you know, hard times, job loss, but What really hit me was that there's no real talk about other types of grief. And now before I get into that, I will just tell you some things because this is a bit more of a, a, an understanding of like what I mean when I say that I've dealt with a lot of grief and that realistically I should have known that this was my purpose all along. Like I didn't know my full birth chart or anything when I was younger. It's only been in the last couple of years that I've really dug into that stuff, but I'll just give you some examples. So when I was in kindergarten, I think I've talked before about how I was, I basically like my best friend was like my grandma and like 
my brothers and like I was very like an old lady when I was a kid I liked quiet things I liked writing I had only a couple kids that I felt comfortable around and one of them uh, there was one that I wanted to be friends with, but I was very shy because I also like just was not social at all when I was little other than in my immediate family. And I remember my mom had asked me because my birthday's in January. And so my mom had asked me to invite students from class and I was terrified. I, even though I was a long time ago, I physically remember being like, I do not want this attention on me. And I don't want to like ask kids that I don't even talk to, to like come to my birthday party. So I invited two girls from my class, one being this girl, Darcy, and this other girl, the other girl came, Darcy did not. And I was like, little kid, like upset, a little bit heartbroken, but I was like, it's fine. I didn't want anybody to come anyways. Obviously I probably didn't process it that same way when I was five, but who knows? I was pretty mature when I was a kid. So what happened was, um, it was only, I think a couple months after that, if that, that there was a tragic accident and the girl Darcy from my class actually was killed in a tragic accident. And my, I still remember like the house. I remember where I was sitting. I remember everything about my parents telling me about it. But what I remember the most was not that I was like scared or upset really because they explained to me I guess I don't remember the conversation but I remember them telling me about her I guess they must have told me that her like soul left her body or that she went to heaven whatever way they explained it to me I still have the vision in my head of like her laying in a hospital bed and a beam of light coming up from her and like taking her up and so I didn't see that as traumatic when I was a kid which I don't know why I just didn't. The next thing that I remember being kind of related to that is that like my best friend was my cat. who was like a little black cat. Her name was Frisky. She was kind of an outdoor cat. Like she didn't come in the house. We had like a porch, but they just like, we had four and a half acres and she would just like roam around and my brother's cat tiger. I was obsessed with her though. I loved Frisky, loved cats in general because they're quiet they keep to themselves you know I think that energy really resonated with me which makes sense why people still think I'm a cat lady like people multiple times this is a side note but people multiple times when the conversation of like cats has come up people have said to me like not oh Andrea you have a cat right people say Andrea you have cats right and I'm like And I've said this to my friend, Lindsay, who you heard on the Gemini podcast the other day. I was like, I don't know why, but like my response is always so like almost defensive because like, I mean, I used to call myself a crazy cat lady. So like as a joke, but like now that that energy, I guess is like, maybe it's the witchiness, the darkness, the Scorpio. I don't know. But when people say you have cats, right? My instant response is I have zero cats. (laughs) Like I need to be as specific as possible. But anyways, I guess like that energy still around me. But what happened was we were, we were in the transition of like, my dad had already started working in Toronto and we were still in this like rural area and we knew that we were going to be moving. And in my head, I was like, you know, Frisky's going to come with us, whatever. And she was also the, the in the same kind of accident, I guess you could say, not the same, but Um, She was hit by a car, which I didn't mention before, but that's what happened to Darcy. And it was right before we were going to move. 
And I remember I was just like heartbroken. I was nine. And that meant that I wasn't going to have her in the new house. And that was really scary to me because I figured, okay, well, at least I'll have my family and at least I'll have Frisky, right? I'll have my little best friend. And so that meant like I had no new friends when I was going to be moving there. Obviously, you heard the story with Lindsay. There's a happy ending. She came up and asked me if I liked the Spice Girls. And that was like a friendship contract that still to this day is valid. So that one had a happy ending. But that was a really big loss for me. And something else that I say in like a funny way at the time, I was obviously grieving and very sad. But I found this like, so also keep in mind, I was a double Capricorn kid and my favorite gift, which I don't know why I'm bringing this story up, but my favorite gift when I was a kid was a mini laminator. <laughs> and I made a little like in memoriam like thing of Frisky where I cut her head out of a picture and there was like this picture with like a background of like a sun and I made it like a halo and like wrote out a little thing to Frisky, very dramatic, but I was actually very like upset. So anyways, we moved. And then when I was 11, um, so when I was younger, like I've mentioned before, like my grandparents, I was very close to them when we lived in this like rural property. Um, they were like my best friends. I spent a lot of time there. And then we moved. So it was already hard not seeing them all the time. And then my grandpa passed away when I was 11. And that was really difficult for me and I remember the first thing I did was I went outside and I laid beside the birch tree that we had outside and it never occurred to me till recently that that was definitely like a spiritual need of mine for processing but what I was really grateful for was that my mom just let us have our feelings so did my dad my dad was obviously with my grandma at this point like when we found out and we all went and we were able to express everyone was expressing grief it wasn't like anybody was holding back their emotions people were sharing stories it was actually like i'm very lucky that my family was very much allowing us to process that and really talk about it and i actually wrote a poem for him and that was my way of i guess moving through the grief and then two years later, when I was 13, my papa on my mom's side passed away. And I was with my cousins when I found out about him. We were at my aunt's house and we all ended up outside again. And I think that's not a coincidence either. And with him, I also did write a poem for him. And that was very therapeutic. And then after that point, because I had gone through these two big losses, um, I was always kind of like when my parents would go to like extended family members where like they were close to the people, but like my brothers and I were not, um, it would be optional if we wanted to go because it's a funeral. I would always go if I could, which until now I never really thought, had a second thought of it. I was just like, yeah, okay, I could, I'll go. And it wasn't like I enjoy, again, I did not enjoy funerals, but I feel like even like throughout growing up, my teen years and whatever, I felt this like calm stillness because it's not like a wedding or something where people are like hyped up and like that would make me sometimes anxious even though I enjoyed those events but like this was like a different energy where I felt like this was where I could hold space you know like I could be in the presence of people grieving and it didn't really make me that uncomfortable and I used to go just to be there and also I think that's one of the parts of um, like church services that like 
I resonate with is like this quiet, just everyone being in community. And so I guess energetically, I probably knew that that was like somewhere I felt like I could hold space for people. Um, And then actually in high school, I also did a speech on death, which everyone kind of laughed at and they were like, that's very morbid, but it didn't seem morbid to me. I guess I knew it was like, I'm sure I knew it was, but like, it also was like something I could talk about. And I was painfully like, I did not like doing speeches, but I would talk about death. That was something where I was like, yes, that I can talk about without feeling stupid. Um, And then my grandma, who was very, very close with when I was young, she um, started showing signs of Alzheimer's shortly after my grandpa passed away. And she ended up moving up to be closer to my aunt. So she was very far away. And I feel like for me, there was a lot of guilt, but also like grief that was like more gradual, where I would notice like, obviously she wasn't remembering she wasn't the same person and so there's like more gradual grief with her and i think then when she passed away it was very difficult for me i still remember i still actually have in my car in this like weird slot thing that i don't even know what it's for there's still a poppy because both my grandparents were very involved in the legion and there's still a poppy in there that's it's so faded and has like barely any like of the furry stuff left on it but it's been there since the day I found out because I was sitting in my car when I was living in Toronto and I had one I guess because it was in November I had one in my visor like above me and when I was thinking of my grandma it fell on me and I like was like okay this is her being with me and I put it in there and it's been there that was in one car I think and then yeah this is the second car that I just like it's one of the only things I was like okay this needs to also be in here anyways um for her I actually wrote a mini eulogy that I gave as well so anyways that was a long rant but basically what I wanted to say is just that we I was given a way of processing grief for those things but I feel like none of us really understand what to do when it's something where there's no death like life is still moving on you're still here you know The people around you are still here, but there's still this sense of loss. And it's like, how do we move through that when there's no rule book for it? I mean, of course, there's therapy, which I would recommend to anyone having a difficulty with any kind of loss. But for me, it's more about like the ritual and the like process than it is about having the support to talk about it, I guess. But I think this is what really has shown me over time that this has always been something that came naturally to me. And so anybody who has not had any of these experiences at a younger age, I can only imagine, and I've seen it in some people, how difficult it is when something like a job loss or, um, you know, something that's more of like a personal ego death happens and it's very traumatic. And I, I'm not going to talk a lot about that right now, just because obviously I've talked a lot about endings and processing those things in previous episodes but I do feel like there needs to be grief around this and when again when I was trying to write my book and I was going into that mindset I was like okay how am I actually going to get back into this because I need to authentically move through these emotions if I'm going to have closure and be able to talk to other people about it 
I decided to tap into the energy of Isis and to channel from her. And what I got from her, which was a breakthrough and me being able to access these memories, is to think of your favorite parts of that time that you're grieving or how happy you were before a challenge or something happened. Really take a moment to feel into that, but then also realize that you cannot go back to that time. That time, that version of you is no longer. And so like, for example, for me, for school, let's say, cause I just finished school. I started thinking about all my favorite little places and little like places I used to meet my friends. And then when I thought, even if I go back there now, it's not the same. Like we're not in school. Even if I'm physically there with the same people, I'm never going to have that connection and that experience. And I actually, when I was thinking about this, like when I was following the instructions and doing it, I was like in tears. And I was like, wow, I haven't been able to access these emotions in a long time. And then my graduation was at, my official graduation was just on like the, like when my degree was conferred was on the 14th and then the 15th, um, I realized it. And then I picked up my degree from Pure Later and that was on Thursday and I didn't realize they were sending like this whole box with all these things to be able to celebrate with your family because obviously we're not having a ceremony yet and I was bawling my eyes out and this was like in real time I was allowing myself to do this because I had the time and this is exactly what I was missing for all of these other things that I had dealt with and so in this grieving process I was also celebrating the moments that were positive. And I was sharing that because I did a post and it's one that I shared on Instagram as well as on Facebook. And I was over, I am still overwhelmed with how many people reached out to show their support and congratulate me. And then I was able to think back on all of the things I had achieved. And that was like a really good way for me to like, I was crying like the entire day And I still have like moments where I'm like, wow, I did this and start crying. And I'm really opening up my heart, my heart chakra through this grief. And like when I said that affirmation of, you know, in the past episode of moving through grief, increasing your capacity for love, I do believe that. And that's something that I never would have thought of on my own. I needed that guidance from Isis. There's more that we went into and I'm not going to do that in this episode because that's more about the book and that'll be a whole other episode. But something I just want to talk about is that I also dealt with um, bankruptcy, which is something that as a Capricorn and as someone who's very like masculine in energy, it's very difficult to deal with. But I made this realization that it was, again, a past self that... I'm no longer that person. I'm just stuck dealing with the consequences of like what that person left me. So it's like when, and and this was like credit card debt and it was from a few times in my life when that were difficult, like a previous, like long time ago relationship where I was kind of taken advantage of and forced to take on all of the burden And I've released that, like, I know what that person was going through at that time. And again, it was related to grief and it's fine. I have actually moved past that. And then there was another time when I had a car accident and I was off work for six months. Then I've been in school. So 
I know the reasons for it. And I know obviously I could have made different choices, but I also know that that was the best I could do at that time. And I realized like the longer I just kept trying to deal with it in other ways and it was spiraling. And so this was the best option for me. And then when I realized that like, in a way, it's like when somebody passes away suddenly and then the family is left to like deal with the responsibilities and whatever is outstanding in their life. That's the feeling I had where it was like, okay, let's just look at this. This is what's left over from this past lifetime. Let's try and deal with this. And that made it a lot easier because I realized it's a combination of things. Like anything to do with finances is like the way you you have like inherited ways of thinking of, of money societal ways of thinking of money and there's a lot of different energies that go along with that and so when I was able to let that go I felt a sense of relief even in signing the papers I was like yes this feels like a chapter closing like it was like a physical thing like at least with that I had papers I was signing right like and the person was like telling me all of the things I was signing and I was like yes agreed 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 and that released me And so that I feel as much as it's something that I don't think I've talked about before. I know I haven't talked about before. I don't feel any like shame or guilt. I also know that it doesn't help for me to hold on to any of that and that I'm not that person now. You know, I'm responsible for myself now. And yes, it took a long time. And to be honest, anxiety was a big part of that because I had so many coping mechanisms that I was, you know, keeping busy and doing as many things as possible. And I was just so in that anxiety mode that, you know, when I pull back from it now, it's like, I wasn't even myself. Like that was like proxy that was just doing a bunch of stuff, you know, and the real me was kind of like push back, push back, push back. And there was no real emotion attached to anything I was doing. It was more just like in the moment, what do I need to do to not deal with stuff? And so that was another big realization is that like the, you know, anxious avoidant tendencies, you don't even see them after a while when your entire life is like in this anxiety. And it, for me, it's also like, because I am just naturally a workaholic because I'm a Capricorn. So it's not entirely anxiety's fault. It's also that it comes naturally. So when anxiety's like dangling the carrot of like another job to fill up more time, I'm going to take it. And that's something I'm still working on. And then I also in May, so after the bankruptcy before graduation, I ended, well, mutually ended a relationship with a partner that I'd had for three years. Um, he was the one who initiated the, the conversation. And to be honest, as he knows, I had been feeling this for a long time. We both had, it's been a distance relationship the whole time. I've been in school the whole time. And like I said, I wasn't fully present in anything I was doing. And I think because we both have similar tendencies in some ways around like communication and different things, I think it just wasn't going to work out, but we both genuinely love each other very, very much. And I know he's part of my soul family. It's making me emotional just saying that. I really wasn't expecting this part to get me that much, but it's because I actually was able to grieve that because over time I already was grieving the aspects that I felt like were slipping away. And so when the time came, I was very ready for it and not in like a, a joyful way, but in like a, 
a release, right? Like we both were released from this relationship that neither of us was really happy in. And I think sometimes that's the most beautiful thing. And so since then, he um, has had a major milestone in his career that I was so happy to, that he shared with me and that I was able to congratulate him on and celebrate him. And he reached out on my graduation when I posted and he was so supportive and really wanting to be present for me. And so there's a beautiful thing that happens when you do just actually look at it the way of what it is and not what you're losing in the moment. But yes, it's a loss. It's a loss that both of us, you know, we anticipated being obviously together long term. Like if you're in a relationship that long, that's where you assume you're headed. And one of the things that we dealt with earlier this year, which I told you I was going to talk about it. So now I am warning anybody who um, does not want to hear about abortion. This is the topic I'm going into now. And I'm not going to talk about it for long because I'm still working on it. But I did want to just mention that now is when I'm talking about that. Um, so yes, the beginning of the year in January, I had, I believe it was in January, I had a reading, it might have been December, but I had a reading with Krista who did the Root Chakra episode. And she, in that reading, told me that the rug was going to be pulled out from under me and that I would really be in the energy of Kali, the goddess of like destruction and, you know, restructuring the tower moment kind of thing. Tower moment came up for me a lot. And she said that I would need support and that I needed to spend more time in nature. At the time, because I had this ongoing thing with my finances, I assumed it was the bankruptcy that I was planning on. And I said that in their reading. I was like, yes, okay, bring it on. I was ready for that. And then in January, I started feeling off and started to think like I I knew that I had um, been kind of a bit dizzy and then my, my body just felt different. And I started thinking like, oh my goodness, what if I am pregnant? And it was so early from what I thought that I was like, okay, there's, there's no way that a test is going to be accurate. And I didn't want to go to my doctor. I think I already knew that I was pregnant and I just like, didn't want to deal with it. But I was also like, I'm not sure. So I'm not going to panic. Right. And then when I missed my next period, I was like, okay, because I'm very regular in my period. I usually have like very clear symptoms. And I was like, okay. So I decided this one morning, I'm pretty sure I had class that day. And I don't know what order things happen now, but I took the test. It immediately, like I couldn't even put it down. It immediately turned positive. And I was like, okay. And I remember I ended up doing a video call with my partner and I already at this point because I had been thinking about it for so long had kind of known within my body and like my soul that I was not meant to have a child at that time and as hard as that is to process that it was like a very clear decision I knew that that was the right choice and I told this to him and it was very difficult because I know he wants to have children and we were already kind of that was part of our back and forth in the relationship was that I wasn't always entirely sure. And, you know, considering, like I just mentioned, I had a bankruptcy, um, our relationship already wasn't the strongest. 
I also knew like I was, I only had two part-time jobs. I was full-time in school still. And I would only be a few months out of school if we were to have this baby. And I was like, I cannot do that. And I just knew it. And as much as it was like heartbreaking to have to make that decision, I knew I had to make it obviously. And it was better to just not drag it out, I guess, because I was so sure. And so he was very supportive and I decided to do the medical uh, termination and I was going to be staying with him and I drove myself to the appointment, uh, typical me, and got the medication, got all the instructions from them and everything. And then it was awful. It was um, like I was nauseous constantly. Medication already, that's why like I... I don't know why I thought that was going to be a better choice, but just thinking of not having to do the surgery, I think, because it also was like feeling, it felt more clinical. Whereas like being at home or like being with my partner and like dealing with it, not in that environment, I felt like would be better. Um, But I was literally just on the couch basically the entire day. I could barely eat. I was just sleeping and in gravel sleeps and then it was very painful. I had to go through the whole process of the termination. It was very traumatic. Um, I won't go into too much detail because I don't want anybody to be too scared, but I just was like, I was, it was awful. I kept having like just these feelings of like, when you think back to something and it was like, it would give me like full body shudders. It was just awful. And then you know, I felt a bit better the next day. I was also like very lightheaded, like almost passing out a few times and was just like, was not feeling good. So I finally like moved through and was like, okay, I can go home now. I just wanted to be by myself for a while. So I did go home and then you have to go get blood work done just to make sure that I went through. So I did that on the Thursday and I was working in the studio on the Friday and I had been feeling kind of like bloated and stuff after, which was like, I looked it up and was like, it's normal. So I was like, cool. And then I got a phone call from the office saying that it hadn't worked and that I had to go back. So that meant I had to go through the surgical procedure, even though I'd already just gone through this whole process of the medical. And I was, I immediately started crying. I was at work at the studio and thankfully there's only one person and they were in a different section, but I had to start planning and I did, I scheduled my appointment and keeping in mind that like, this is the point where I really was like, okay, I I know I would needed to ask for help. This was part of the reading from Krista. This is part of like what I don't do. And I was like, well, now I have to, cause you can't drive yourself back from the appointment because they have to put you under like local, like under like anesthesia a bit for procedure. So even though I've driven myself on a broken foot to the hospital, it was like, okay, I can't actually do this. So thankfully it was, a very welcoming place when I had to go and I did follow their instructions like the last time and I this is just something in case someone has to go through this because I'm just being called to share this but they tell you to bring like a like longer like skirt and you know make sure you have that and I guess I think I, I had a sweater that I and I wore the same outfit to both like I had just washed it so it was at the top of the pile when I went for the second appointment 
And I didn't realize how important it is because they say they'll, they'll give you a gown or whatever if you need it. But I did follow the instructions. And then when I got there, um, I saw all these women sitting in the area for the surgical, like the waiting area for the surgical appointments. And they were all in like gowns looking very uncomfortable, like very traumatized. And it was like heartbreaking because they were like feeling vulnerable. You could tell they were not comfortable. They were sitting very awkwardly. And meanwhile, I got to stay in what I was wearing. And I realized it's because I had followed the directions and I had a skirt. I wasn't wearing pants. And so just if you have to go through this, not that I want you to have to go through this, but bring a skirt with you to change into. Like I had a long like jersey maxi skirt and then I wasn't cold. I was able to sit there. I had like an oversized turtleneck. It was, and I just have to say like, as much as the procedure is not something that's easy to go through, being comfortable is like the minimum that you can do for yourself. And so I just want to put that out there. But what happened was when I got there and I went into the appointment, they were all the nurses kept telling me like how it was like I won the lottery and how like it was so rare, not not in a good way, like it sounded awful. They were just saying because it's so rare for this to happen because it was like usually there's like a little bit of tissue or whatever, um, but it didn't work for me at all with the medical. And they were like that like never happens. And I was like as much as I did not feel lucky and I didn't feel like I won some sort of lottery. I, I at least appreciated that they kept me like comfortable and distracted. And they had a lot of nurses in there, I think, because it's something that's so rare. Um, they had a lot of people in like a lot of staff and they distracted me. And so I was comfortable. And I actually was the other thing I was scared of was I didn't want to be like some of the girls seemed really loopy when they came out of the procedure, like they didn't know what was going on. And I was like, I don't want that to be me. That's my biggest fear. And so I actually was fine. Like I walked myself to the chair and was just sitting there drinking ginger ale. And I think because I was protecting myself from the grief, I was just really relieved and ready to like go get A&W and move on. And not in a way that like I wasn't processing it. Like I was still processing it internally in a way, but it was like a protection mechanism where I was focused on the fact that I did not feel as bad as I thought I was going to based on the previous procedure, like the medical one that was kind of where I left it. I, you know, let my partner know that it went okay. And like, it was kind of like something I I didn't fully go back to. But what I realized too, was that I then, you know, only like a month or so ago, maybe a bit bit longer, I was reading um, Mary Magdalene Revealed. And I had just done the Mary Magdalene initiation in the Sophia Code. Um, which is like the female Christ uh, consciousness. And I have been going for walks for the last while, for the last month or so in the woods. And there's this one day that I kept touching this one tree and it was right after I had done the initiation. um, And all of a sudden I had all these tears flowing and I realized that the reason I hadn't processed the grief when it was happening was because I didn't feel worthy of it because I made a choice. I felt like I didn't deserve to grieve because I had made my choice. But something that I learned from the Mary Magdalene energy and from reading this was that we get to be fully human and still be fully divine. That forgiving ourselves is like part of our divine right. It's what kind of balances our humanity with our divine spark. Uh, We don't really have to measure our deservingness uh, or our grief against anyone else's 
scale or measure. It's what we believe in our souls. And later that night, after I had like really moved through a lot of grief, it was really helpful. Later that night, I did the Kuan Yin initiation, which is all about compassion and self-compassion. And she goes into this forest of grief, which I was like, I couldn't make this up if I tried. And until she's ready to feel that compassion. And one of the points that really stood out was the same kind of message that you don't need to validate what is traumatic to you um, or what you need to grieve based on anything external. The compassion and forgiveness is as internal as the wounds are. And I started realizing today when I was thinking about this episode that like as a person, we are our own emotional ecosystem. Like, yes, um, we interact with others in beneficial ways and we do need support, but we also have to keep in mind that there's like invasive species and not every plant can grow in every soil type. And so not every solution is right for everyone. So that is something to keep in mind, even in your own healing, like pay attention to what resonates with you. Don't just do something because someone else said it. Don't do something because I said it, like really feel into if that's going to help you or if that's not going to help you. But what I really want to point out is that our healing is really best if it comes from within and we have everything we need inside of us, including our connection to source. And that is in our hearts. And that's where our connection to source is really from, right? Is that heart portal that opens us up into the spirit realm. And I just wanted to end on that note because yes, I had a lot to deal with and this is a very long episode. So anybody who's stuck through to this point, um, you know, I'm very grateful for you following this story, but I do really feel like it's something that I had to realize for myself that like I can heal myself. And I talk about this in terms of like Reiki and other types of healing, like all healing is self-healing, but like really taking that to the next level and realizing like, it's like a closed system. You, you can invite other energies in, but you don't need to if you deep down know that it's you that has to forgive you. It's different if you need forgiveness from someone else, if you did something and you feel like you need that. But <clears throat> at the end of the day, if it's something that you, if it's grief or something that you have to move through, sometimes you have to do that on your own. And it's more empowering when you do, because if you're able to move yourself through that grief, then what can you do? It really opens you up to any other possibilities. Think about then if you can deal with this really big grief moment, imagine what you can do when you're feeling good. And, you know, this morning I pulled the priestess card, which is asking, how are you being called to step up and lead? And it talks about being the first one to be courageous and really embracing the struggles. And then I also pulled the vulture card, which ironically yesterday when I was debating about what to, whether to bring this forward, I thought about this card, but I didn't pull it. And then it came up today. And that was like, when I was like, okay, I'm going to do this episode. So I appreciate you really listening and I am rewarding you with the next episode, which is a beautiful, beautiful interview with Amanda about the heart chakra and Reiki and self-love and all of that beauty. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Spirit Crumbs. You can find me on Instagram for this podcast at Spirit Crumbs. Or you can also find me at Concrete and Crystals for my own spiritual offerings and more tidbits about my own journey. Thank you for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.